Chapter 3. The Morning After I wake to the taste of blood in my mouth. It does not disgust me. Last night was the beginning, the start of the new me. Whether or not this transformation is for the best or worst remains to be seen. Only a series of tomorrows will determine this. I roll onto my side and look towards the floor. A foreign wallet glares back at me, covered in blood. I am not sure what is worse, the deed I have performed or the guilt I am failing to acknowledge. The phone rings and continues its annoyance. I know who it will be. The answer machine takes control. You better be on your way to work. It's 9.30. I'm sick and tired of covering for you. If Peter asks, you're at the doctor's with your girlfriend. See you soon. Oh, by the way, what happened to you last night? Apparently we both missed a brilliant fight. Some guy was nearly killed just down from the mission. One of us missed the fight. I mutter to myself and then roll back over. I awake once more, but this time to the sound of a gentle rapping at the door. I must have been asleep for hours as the sun now blazes through the gap in the curtains. The door knocks again. I will give it the same treatment as the phone, and if no message is left, I have no one to get back to. I look towards the door in my tiny flat. There is a loud crash as the door flies open. In the doorway stands a man, unknown to me. He looks as shocked as I am. It takes a few seconds, too many seconds, to notice he has reached for something in his pocket as he walks towards me. It glimmers in the glorious sunlight. Make one fucking move and I'll cut your fucking throat. I would not say I am scared, just not bothered. I know there is nothing of value in this room, nothing worth being stabbed for. He makes about the room opening cupboards, lifting up dirty clothes. Suddenly a moment of clarity hits me. This is my flat. These are my clothes, my belongings, and I earned them. Why should I roll over just because he has threatened me? Further thoughts cross my mind. Is his an empty threat? Is he merely a toothless giant? In truth, he probably thought the room would have been vacant. I can only guess. I stand from my bed, only imagining how intimidated he must feel with me in my briefs and socks. I told you not to fucking move. Who do you think you are telling me what to do after breaking into my flat? I see a half-empty glass of water by my feet. It is not half full. Don't fucking test me. He approaches me slowly, holding the knife at arm's length. I bend down, grab the glass and throw the water at him. He flinches and leaves himself open. I kick his hand, holding the knife and slam the glass into his face. It shatters, cutting my hand. I turn and clutch it as the blood pours out. I can hear his body hit the deck as he whimpers and moans, breathing hard through blood and glass. I turn around to face him. He lies face down on the carpet, hands clutching his wounds. His knife lays by the radiator below the window. He begins to move, reaches for his knife and stands quickly, swaying a little. I can hardly see any distinctive marks on his face, just blood, some gushing from his wounds, some smeared over his brow and right cheek. He lunges for me. I move back, but not quick enough, as he catches my wrist. It is now my turn to lunge at him. My right hand, still bleeding, connects with his cheek again. I can feel my knuckles penetrating his torn skin. He screams and falls while I shudder. I grab the knife with my left hand, still aching and bleeding due to the slash on my wrist, then dash to my open plan kitchen sink to run cold water over my wounds, making them numb. I reach for a kitchen towel and wrap it tightly around my cuts. My hand pulsates as I feel the blood pour out and stain the towel. I make my way towards the phone to call for help, only to see my assailant vacating the room at crawl speed. Do I let him go? Report him to the police and other local hospitals look out for him? It doesn't take me long to make my decision. I drop the knife and begin pursuit. I walk through the door and turn left. He crawls towards the lift. 
A trail of blood follows him, as do I. Catching him is easy. My reward is to stamp on his left ankle a few times to make sure he doesn't stand. The loud cracks send shivers up my spine. I can feel a smile forming on my face. I am enjoying this more than I should. He lays crumpled on the floor and has probably fainted from the pain or blood loss. I kick him in his stomach. He moans. Now what? I replay what has just happened. I do not want the police involved. Not after all that happened yesterday. I must dispose of the body somehow. A few twisted thoughts enter my mind. The kind that are not normally welcome, but today they will assist me. The plan is too sick to comprehend. Well, perhaps on an average day, but today is far from that. I run back to my room and search under my bed, grabbing my plain black gloves and rush to put them on. I have not much time. I sprint to a cupboard and put a plastic bag on each foot to hide my bloody footprints. I pick up the foreign wallet from the grubby floor and the knife from the sink. Inside the wallet there are a few crisp notes. I remove them and then proceed to one of my neighbours two doors away on the right. I knock, hearing footsteps in the room. The bolt slides across and the door timidly opens, revealing Tom's face full of suspicion. You've got to help me. My friend is hurt. Someone has just attacked him. Tom closes the door, slides across the bolt and opens the door again. Do you want me to call the police? He looks down at my feet, clearly a little puzzled. Don't worry, I'll do it. I can feel the change again. I must do everything possible to achieve my goal. Nothing will stop me now. I would understand if the roles were reversed. This is for the greater good. I produce the knife and embed it into Tom's chest, withdraw and repeat several times. His eyes show not only fear but shock as he clutches his stomach and drops to the floor. I almost feel bad, almost. I drag him and the would-be burglar into Tom's flat and place them dramatically on the floor, carefully arranging them as to stage an assault. I feel for Tom's pulse, he is gone. As for the other, he remains alive. I slash at his unguarded throat. His arms jolt and rise slightly as to try and stop the bleeding. He has lost too much blood though, and he has breathed his last breath. I throw a nearby glass into his already cut face. It bounces off. I try again, harder this time. It shatters. The glass digs into his cheek and head. Fresh blood spews from new wounds and ruptured old ones. I slip the foreign wallet into his pocket. I walk slowly and thoughtfully back to my flat, force the door to close and sit on the kitchen stool. Blood, glass and water remain on the carpet. There is more work to be done. I can rest when I die.